Welcome. We're so glad you've taken this opportunity to grow your faith by listening to this teaching. At CLC, it is our heart to see every believer equipped to fulfill the plan that God has for your life. For more information about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. Now let's hear some faith-building teaching from Pastor Ann Ukinen. Praise the Lord. So this is, uh, it, uh, if in case you didn't know, I teach kindergarten. This is my second week of half days. And so tomorrow I go into like full time, going strong. Everybody's there all day long. It's going to be interesting. Already we've had crying. We've had vomiting. We've had dragging of children into the room and consoling and crocodile tears and all sorts of bodily fluids, nosebleeds, peeing, everything. It's happened already. I'm just getting it over in the first, f- first two weeks. Hallelujah. And it's, I, when, it, when they come, I have to remind myself, this is not where we're going to be forever. We're going to make mo- we're gonna move forward. This is not the end. This is just the beginning. It's going to, it's going to be different in June. They're going, there's going to be growth. We can only handle 10 minutes tops at the carpet, and then things just fall apart. But then we're going to be able to strengthen that and stretch that out, and, and it's going to get better. Hallelujah. It will. It will. Uh, and and I, I, I repeat this to myself, but also to in the moment, <laughs> they're, pretty do- they're pretty cute. It's, so, it's good that they're cute, because otherwise it would be... <laughs> It wouldn't be worth it, but they're just really, really quite cute. Um, but my classroom is organized. I have like things out now. The things that I have out now are not going to be the things that I, or I might keep some, but I'm going to be putting things out throughout the year as we learn and we grow. And so they're at a stage right now. And then I put some new things in the environment and then there's m- more development. And then I add some more new things. So I'm not putting this stuff out about like all about words and making sentences right now. That would make no sense. Right now we're like, things that start with the letter A, those kinds of things. So I'm very intentional about my environment, making sure that the things that are in there are good for them to help their growth. And so uh, as I was thinking about that, I was thinking about how we go out in this world and how we, as different levels of Christians, go out and talk to people and we think they're they're somewhere where they're not. Like, we think, like, I would not, like, give my kindergarten students a novel and, sp- and expect them to read it. They would be frustrated. Just like the same thing, like, you know, when you go out and you talk about Jesus and you talk about your revelation and this and that, and then you're talking about it to an unbeliever who doesn't know who even Jesus is. They're like, who is this guy? Like, where is he? Where does he live? I mean, he lives on the inside of us, but we talk to people and we expect them to know certain things that they might not know. And we, and we uh, talk to people and, and, and relate to them. And then when we talk to them and things don't go the way we had hoped, then we get disappointed with what, uh, that didn't go how I expected it. And, hmm. And sometimes I find we look at who we are and where we are and we relate to pe- people, uh, pe- people in general, who we are and where we are and how we like to relate. And we don't ask the Holy Spirit, hey, wait a second, 
How should I talk with them? What should I talk to them about? How should I encounter with these people? I have, I studied long and hard for how, and I've had experience on how I work in the classroom, but I have the Holy Spirit helping me too and showing me what to do. I don't want to rely wholly on uh, like my education. I want to have the Holy Spirit to help because he can give me the heads up on things that I don't know about. But anyway, I want us to go to 2 Corinthians. Actually, yeah, let's go to 2 Corinthians. And so we've, we relate to people wrongly. People who are not saved don't understand things the way that we do. We understand things differently. We have the Holy Spirit. We're born again. We're believers. Some, some people don't have any idea, like, where they're going. They, they have no idea. They know a little bits and pieces, but chances are they just know about the other Christian that told them that they were bad. And that's all they know about Christians is how judgy they are. And they don't know, and they, and they just want to live their life, and they want to be left alone. Some people, we encounter some people like that. But that was based on someone coming up to them and being judgmental, talking to them. You're going to go to hell. You're going to be, you know, this is going to happen. That's going to happen. And we want to relate to people in love. We want to relate to them the way that they need to hear about Jesus. And so I'm going to like talk a bit about that this morning, about how we can talk with people differently, how we can love people and share the gospel in ways that help people and not hurt people. So if we go to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians and 6 and 11, we'll go there. All right. O ye Corinthians, this is in 2 Corinthians 6 and 11. O ye Corinthians, it's like, oh, you guys, oh, God, oh, you guys, you know, what are you doing? Our mouth is open unto you, and our heart is enlarged. Here they have someone teaching, writing to them, encouraging them, telling them about all the things of God, and their mouth is open to the Corinthians. Someone's talking to them, and they should be listening, and yet they're not, which is unfortunately the case. You are not straightened in us, but ye are straightened in your own bowels. Let's go into the amplified, because that's sometimes helpful. There is no lack of room for you in our hearts, but you lack room in your own affections for us. Hmm. Interesting. Here we have Apostle Paul. He's teaching, he's going about teaching, preaching, helping the churches, and he's, he's, his mouth is open to them. That means he's teaching them, and they don't want to hear it. They don't want to have anything to do with it. And his, he's like showing love towards them, and yet their own hearts are cold, and they're not showing love towards him. Hmm. That's so interesting. Because he's, he's about there. He's teaching them good stuff. He's teaching them about the word of God. He's teaching them what they need to have success. And yet there's no love towards him. And then it's so interesting what he addresses just after that. By, the way, of ret- uh, by way of return then, do this for me. I speak as to children. Open wide your hearts also to us. 
It's so important to love the people that are sharing the gospel with you and sharing God's word. They care about you. I care about you. Pastor Gwen cares about you. Pastor Jason. And even people in this room show love to one another and share and encourage one another. Love is here. It is here. How do I know this? Because I know it. But also to people, strangers who come here feel that. They say, I felt love here. I felt, you know, that, that there was love here because it is here. And I'm so glad they can say that and they can recognize that. People do, that don't even know us say that. And so after this, it talks about, in verse 14, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Do not make mismatched alliance with them or come under a different yoke with them, inconsistent with your faith. For what partnership have ye have right living and right standing with God in iniquity and lawlessness? We have people that are saved and we have people that are unsaved. And usually when we, when we read this, like the people who like just got born again and that have a spouse that's not born again, they panic and they go, ah, ah, oh no, this, this is the end. Relax. Like those people... Just relax. It's okay. I don't think God's going around and saying, you know, which couple, uh, okay, I got to get them born again really fast together. No, he's just drawing everyone who he can. He's like, if you want, you can be drawn, you can come, you can say yes. And don't you think he has an answer for the spouse? Don't you think that there's an answer? And so there's an answer for that. And sometimes we get so, like some people, and, and then here's another trap where we get, you know, we love the Lord and we just want to cram him down other people's throats. Because you know what? They need to go to heaven. And yes, they do. They really do. But you nagging, we don't nag the gospel. Like, you know, people followed Jesus because they wanted to, you know, except for the one guy that was on the bed, you know, and his friends dragged him. But that was a different story. No one was like, you know, I'm going to drag you to Jesus. That's not our job. Our job is to say, hey, Look, Jesus is over there. Why don't you come along? And we're so tempted to stay with that person while they're like laying in the heap that we forget to follow Jesus. And we forget to go, you know what? You know, someone else can come and go and tell them about Jesus too. And you might make a circle around and tell them about Jesus, but don't forget to follow him. Don't forget, we don't want to camp out in disappointed in disappointment where people you have shared Jesus with others and they said no thank you. That's okay. It's you know, we can't force Jesus on anyone. He didn't force himself on anyone. He said just follow me. And so we can have them follow follow us like we follow him. We're not dragging. We're not in the business of dragging. You're going to just get tired. You're going to have like all these hanging things and they'll be bloody on the road along the way as you go. (laughs) We want them to be walking on their own two feet. Hallelujah. So, but it doesn't, we don't go together. It's like oil and vinegar. There's there, we can't mix. That does, does that mean you can't like be near them? 
Oh, of course you can be near, near non-believers. Of course we want to talk to people and tell people about Jesus. That's so important. But we don't want them to become the voice in our life. So before, if we just jump back up and think about what happened to the Corinthians there, they don't love Paul like they should. He loves them. And he's trying to like, you know, he's given them the word, given them the word, and their hearts are cold because they've allowed another voice in. They've allowed another voice to be more prominent than the Holy Spirit's voice, God's voice, through Paul, speaking to them. And they don't hear it. And it's affecting who they love. Hmm. Interesting. Or how can light have fellowship with darkness? I mean, that's an interesting question. If you turn on the light, where's the dark? It's gone. It can't be there at all. What harmony is there between Christ and Bilal, the devil? Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? unbeliever? And this is where we get so much trouble. We have family, and we've had connections with family and then we get born again, and then we have a new family. And then we have our other family talking to us, telling us how we should be, how you used to do it, that this is the way. And you're, now, you're like, no, I found the way. I found the truth. I found the light. Why don't you come on over here? And then we're talking, and we're sharing, and things go wrong. Has that ever happened to you with a family member talking about Jesus and things go wrong? Or they're like, I don't want to talk, I don't want to hear about that anymore at the family thing. You hear that. You hear that too. Why? Because you don't mix. But sometimes we just start to listen to them and we listen to their side and we allow old relationships to pull and draw when we should be following Jesus and, and drawing others to him. We can't do that we're getting, when we're getting drawn into old family habits and old family relationships and friends that knew us from long ago, but we're not that person anymore. We're a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things are new. All things are of God. We don't want to be unequally yoked. We don't want our best friend to be an unbeliever. That's the worst thing. Because they have their opinion, and it's certainly not going to be the Holy Ghosts, because they can't understand it and they don't know it. So can you be acquaintances? Yes, of course. We want to talk to people. We want to spend time with people and share with people about Jesus. But if, you know, if we want them to, you know, have a conversation with them about what, what I should do or where, where should I, might I go with this job position, maybe not so much. Maybe not so much. And then, so there's believer and unbeliever. And we want to be careful, but also, too, there's people of different levels of faith. And when we're going and praying for people, and we pray for people, we get disappointed because they don't believe the way that we believed. They don't have the faith that we have. They don't believe it. They're laying there, and they're like, okay, pray for me. Uh, but they don't believe it. When people fo followed Jesus, they were expecting, they wanted Jesus to pray for him. They went and they asked 
And this is where we're like forcing down people's throat before, and we jump, we, we, we put the, ho- the cart before the horse. They need to hear about Jesus, the healer, first. Do they even know him at all? Because some people, they hear, hey, Jesus heals. And they're like, yeah, yeah, okay, he heals. And then, and then you can pray and woo, bam, healed. But sometimes it doesn't work that way. And we wonder what we did wrong. And then we're like, oh, maybe, and then they, we, we say, oh, Jesus heals sometimes. And then, oh, maybe Jesus wanted them to be sick. And we talk, our, talk these, these people talk and make these excuses when it was a faith level that was the deciding factor. They didn't have faith for that. People follow Jesus. That was their evidence of their faith. They, like, if you, if you, if I touch his clothes, he'll heal me. If you say your word, he'll be healed. Oh, I know if I go over to him, he'll heal me. We need to deliver Jesus, and we need to start sharing the gospel. We, we share the perks of Jesus before we share the actual gospel and the message of what he did, the good news. So we want to make sure things are in order and so that we're, we're, we're going to be effective when we talk to other people and we don't get disappointed that it didn't go the way we wanted it to go. So let's go to Colossians. And we're just going to look at something in here in Colossians. And I might go from Amplified to King James. I'll see what I want to do. Colossians 1, 21 to 23. Hallelujah. And although you were at one time were estranged and alienated, you were once not mixed with believers. But look, now you are. Here you are, a believer. That doesn't mean there's no hope for the family member that doesn't have Jesus right now. There is a hope. There is a hope. He, they have a hope. And that hope that you accepted, they can accept too. Because although you were at one time estranged and alienated from him and were host of a hostile attitude of mind in your wicked activities. That's who you were. That's who we're relating to. The unsaved, dark versus light, when we're relating to other people that don't know Jesus. Hostile towards the gospel. But there's an opportunity. Yet, now has Christ reconciled you to God in the body of his flesh through death in order to present you holy and faultless and irreproachable in his, the Father's presence. Hallelujah. You can go and stand before him, and you know you're in that light. You are that light. That light flows to you. That light is you. That Jesus, the same Jesus that raised from the dead, his power in you, this is a good thing. It's a good thing. But we go out to the public, and people are like, man, and you get so hurt. You get so hurt that they didn't like you, that they didn't accept you. But mo- a lot of the time, it's the Jesus in you that they're not really liking. 
and they are crabby and they're unhappy. And we have this unnatural expectation that they might treat you well. Okay, let's go back and we'll look at this again. Uh, again. You are of hostile attitude of mind in your wicked activities. Why would we expect of the world the gold treatment? God's going to treat us well. He always does. He loves us. But why would we think that of other people? Why would we think that about the unsaved? Hostile attitude and mind and wicked activities. Now, I could go into my classroom and I could be really upset that they don't sit and listen. Because, you know what? They just should. But I have to look at this situation and go, hey, wait a second. They're five years old. This is not developmentally appropriate for them to sit for longer than half an hour and expect anything good to come of it. (laughs) And so I'm (laughs) strategic. I like when they're at the carpet, it's like what we're going to do is important. And then we go off and we're happy. Come to the carpet again. Eh, Teach them really good. And then go off and be happy. Teach them really good. Go off and be happy. This is, this is, I don't expect something of them that they can't deliver. Because if I do that, honestly, no one's going to be happy. No one's going to be happy and they're not going to learn. They're not going to, they're not going to grow. And they're not going to develop and be well. So our attitude towards someone, an unbeliever, is going to have to be different. And we have to extend that grace that God gave us. We have to extend it to them. Because they used an ugly tone. Or they yelled at you. And you really didn't deserve it. Really, you didn't do anything wrong. But they had a bad day. And, and you know, they were yelling. And they were, you know, and then they take it out on you. The problem is, is then we allow, we allow that in. And we take it out on the next person. And really, a wrong expectation of what people are, how people should treat us then gets turned and we treat others wrong. So we can treat everyone well and love them, not because of anything they did, but because of everything that he did. And they're going to be hostile. They're going to be. They might, you know, so, like, you know, like we hear about, you know, it, like, you know, a good father, like, you know, even in the world will give, get, won't give his child a stone when he asks for bread, you know. There are, there is that out there. But there's being nice and they're showing God's love. And they're completely different things. And so we might have to show it to people who don't deserve it but we didn't deserve it too. And we don't deserve it. But we were alienated, yet now we're reconciled. In the body of his flesh through death, in order to present us holy, we're holy now. We're holy. And that person might be holy, and we just don't know it yet. We just don't know it yet. So we want to make sure that we're showing his love, that we're someone that, that you know, I would want to follow you. If people are not following you and they're running away from you, hmm, 
Jesus had crowds following him. They had people who wanted his attention, just wanted him. Sometimes I have lots of people wanting my attention, and I don't want to give it to them. <laughs> and it's like all at the same time. But they all want it. They all want the attention. And if people are just running away from us, I just wonder... Because if God's love is a reality in our life, people want to be around us. And this he will do, provided that you continue and stay with and in the faith, in Christ, well-grounded and settled and steadfast, not shifting or moving away from the hope which rests on and is inspired by the glad tidings, the gospel, which you have heard and it has been preached not moving from the gospel. The gospel is always at work in us and through us. That good news of what Jesus did. It's so, I like, some, it's sometimes hard to wrap your head around the fact that he's performed a work and he's doing a work all at the same time. And we can stand on and know the work is finished even when you spot a little blemish, <laughs> God's blood just washes it away. And we don't want to allow us to focus on those blemishes and miss the whole point that we're holy, that we're blameless, that the good news is at work in us and working through us. I'm not disappointed when my kids mess up, the students mess up, and they make mistakes. We just try again, and we just do it again. And it's sometimes some of them get so wrapped up in their mistakes that there's no productivity, and they can't move forward because they're so wrapped up in the problem, and what if I do it again? And I can't work with that. I have to let them try and make a, a mistake and be okay with it. And that's where the learning takes place. And so we want to work. We want to go. Mistakes will be made, but that's okay. That's all right. We can relate to the next person better. <laughs> we can have another encounter with someone and the blood can work and help and we can forgive and we can, it can be washed away. but well-grounded and settled and said steadfast, not shifting or moving away from the hope on the, uh, by the glad tidings which we heard. We always have hope because of the glad tidings we heard, that Jesus saves, that he delivers, that he sets free, that he loves us so much that he gave his life for us. Good news. This is the good news. Did it persuade you? You said yes to it. it. Other people will say yes to it. And so instead of, instead of focusing too much on our mistakes, we just share him and expect that there's going to be some hostility. But that's okay because we can share it again. Because there's hostility, but there's also someone 
who thinks, hey, wait a second. That sounds good. I want to hear more about that. And then they come. So we want to share, and we don't want to cram, and, then, and notice when the one that comes that heard something and is, I want more. And so noticing in your, like when you're relating to other people, who's the one who has hostility? Who's the one that says, hey, wait a second. Hmm. Hmm. You caught a fish. You caught something. And the Holy Spirit shows us what to do and what to say to help them. As we go along, I, we just keep on learning more and more and learning more and more. My students, they're learning something that is very basic, but to them, it's challenging. To them, it's hard. I sat in my university course in algebra, and I was, it was not fun, but anyway, didn't like it. I was <laughs> had to take it because I had to get like you know I had to take certain courses to to get into education, and so you kind of have to have like a range of stuff. And I was like, I'm just taking this because I gotta, and and I'm like, huh, it's algebra. It's it is what it is. But then there was a moment in there, and I'm like, hey, wait a second. It all led to this moment. Everything led to this moment, so I could do algebra. And I don't want to, but anyway. <laughs> but it's leading to something more. And there's always something building. And knowing and relating to people in the right way and where they are is so important. If we want to share, you know, like you've been in your prayer closet praying and God has shown you a deep revelation, you're not going to share it with unbeliever. You're not going to share it with a baby Christian, right? They might, it might not be for them. And we need to start hearing the Holy Spirit when we're talking to people and not just blah, 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 everything to, and be the same to everyone. We're the same. I'm the same. But I'm not going to say the same things to different people in different, different, uh, in different relationships. I'm not going to talk to my students how I talk to Ari. I'm not going to talk to my students how I talk to the staff. Although they sometimes like to, like, you know, they'll come in. Like, like to listen, you know, like what, what are they talking about, you know, little nosy neighbors. But <laughs> that's another story for another time. <laughs> but um, we, we relate differently to different people and we can allow the Holy Spirit to help us in relationships so that we don't have disappointment when hostility comes or they just don't understand comes. Like, this is my deep revelation. It's so important to me. It's my baby. And then they criticize it. Oh, we can act differently. We can act differently. Let's go to Abraham, uh, a, a situation with Abraham in Genesis 21. Now here's an interesting situation. In Genesis 21, oh, it's so exciting. So many years have passed and then in verse 1 in verse in Genesis 21 and the Lord visited Sarah as he said and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken 
Woohoo! God keeps his word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then we have other people not liking this. Hmm. Interesting. For Sarah conceived and had bare Abraham a son and in her old age and set the set time when God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bare unto him, Isaac. And then Isaac, Abraham circumcised his son, Isaac, being eight days old, as God had commanded him. So yay, the good, uh, here's the good news. A baby was born. Hallelujah. And then, and Abraham was 100 years old and his son, uh, when his son Isaac was born unto him. And Sarah said, God has made me laugh so that all will hear, uh, will laugh with me. And she said, who would have said unto Abraham that Sarah would have given a child to suck? For I have borne him a son in old age, glorifying that this had happened. And then as the child grew and was weaned, Abraham made a great feast the same day that Isaac was weaned. Celebration. You got those baby celebrations, the showers, the celebrations. Hallelujah. So much fun. Uh Uh-oh. And Sarah saw that the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which was born unto Abraham, mocking. So he's making fun of the whole situation. Mocking. Well, hmm. Interesting. Now, many times when they talk about Egypt, they talk about that being a flesh. When they go to Egypt, they're dealing with the flesh. Or they go to Egypt and like, and he, like, here he is, Abraham, doing things in his own flesh to make a child happen that wasn't supposed to happen, that wasn't the promised son that God promised, but Abraham did it on his own and tried to fix the situation. Like, oh, he must have meant this, and then did it, and it wasn't. Because he promised that it was going to be right, and it was going to be with Sarah. So I don't know how he thought that that was right, But sometimes when things happen, we try to make things happen, and it wasn't the way it was supposed to be, that God had a promised one. And so he's mocking. And wherefore, she said, Sarah says unto Abraham, cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. And we have a situation here that seems rather rough, but he wasn't God's promised child. And what's interesting is he's blessed, sadly blessed, because we're dealing with him and his descendants today. But God honors his promises to people. But he was not the promised son. And here's Sarah saying, get him out. He's not the right one. Get him out. And here Abraham, he says, he's, he's upset And the thing was very grievous in Abram's sight because of his son. And Abraham said unto, uh, and God said unto Abraham, let not this be grievous in thy sight because of the lad and because of thy bondwoman. In all that Sarah hath said unto thee, hearken unto her voice. For in Isaac shall thy seed be called. So up until this point, God has to clarify with Abraham again what was going on. Like, what did Abraham think? Because now we have Ishmael who's older than Isaac. And technically, the elder child gets all the things, gets all the stuff, gets all the goods. But he's not the one that God promised and the one that God said. And Abraham was grieved, probably because a little part of him, well, he loved his son. 
And a little part thought, hey, maybe this can work out. Maybe they can mix. Maybe they can be together. But God doesn't allow any impurities in anything. He wants it to be pure. He wants us to be holy. That's why he sent Jesus, because he knew we couldn't do it on our own. But we can't have a little bit. And there was that little bit that that was draw a draw until it got cut off. We want to make sure that in our relationships, we're treating people and putting people in the right place. Some people will never be God's child. Does that mean we stop sharing the gospel? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But our heritage and where we're going will remain. And we're going there. And we're going to take as many people as we can. I want to make sure that people know about Jesus. And if they haven't heard, that they heard. And that they heard. And that they heard. And I'm not going to have a sad pity party if they're not accepting. I'm going to go on to the next. And go on to the next. And go on to the next. But notice, this was drawing Abraham just like the Corinthians and their relationships with the wrong people. Abraham had a relationship with his son, and it was the wrong people. And it pulled him, and it caused him to make decisions. When we have a God that helps us and shows us how to make decisions and what to do, I want to know who I am in Christ, not who my family thinks I am. Not who my workplace says I am. Not what anyone else says, my friends or anyone. I want him to have a say on who I am. And I don't want that draw from those other things to keep me back. Acceptance of the gospel perfects us and continues to perfect us. And we can share it with others. We can share the good news with others. And sometimes when we're sharing, we share it fearfully. And we don't share it with love. And that we share it with, we know that people are going to hell. We know that people are, are dying. We know that people are sick and that it doesn't have to be that way. But when we share something with desperation, it doesn't draw people. Like, you, you can't do this. You can't live this way. It's going to kill you. You need to have Jesus. There's a desperation in it that's not love. The not the love of Jesus. That says, you know what? God loves you. God doesn't want you to be in this mess. You can stay there. You can stay in this mess. But there's a better way. Do you want to know that way? I know the way. I went that way. Do you want to follow me? It's a good way. I went that way. Jesus accepted me. Jesus loved me. Jesus cleansed me. Jesus healed me. Jesus delivered me. He showed me the way out. Do you want to come with me? Do you want to come? Do you want to get up and come with me and go this way? No, thank you. Maybe we have to share it again later. Maybe it's someone else. 
We just don't want to get wrapped up in the fact that we're, we're not the Savior. He is. But we know him. And we can share about him. And we can share and share to the listening ear. But we don't want to force people into salvation. Because it doesn't happen that way. It happens naturally. People hear it and they want it. So let's have a look at some ways where that really works. Let's go to Acts 8. It works. You don't have to force it. You don't have to make it. You don't have to be desperate. God's good. You want it. He, people want to choose that. We just show them the way, and we go that way, and we be happy. And then you say, hey, you want to be happy with me here, or you want to go stay there? Up to you. Your choice. Maybe share it a little bit more lovingly, depending on the situation. <laughs> depending on the situation. Some people, they hear that. They're like, hey. And they're like, oh, maybe. In Acts 8 and verse 35, it says, um, and then Philip opened his mouth and began in the same scripture. And Okay, here. Oh, let me set this up here. Philip gets, uh, he, get, he gets, God tells him, gives him instructions to go to this place and go speak to this guy. And so he goes and he speaks to him. And, and, and the guy's reading in Isaiah, like God told, God told, God told Philip where to go. And the guy was reading the scripture. That's like, if that's not an open door, what is? So he's going there and God can show you things like that where someone's dealing with something. The easiest thing is someone crying. Let me tell you, if they're crying and they're looking really upset, they're open. (laughs) You know, they're open. And you know what? They're crying and, you know, like I was in the subway and this lady's crying and crying and I'm like, well, you know, I can just go talk to him. It doesn't look as, it doesn't look any bad or any more bad. Me talking to them and them crying, it's me consoling. It actually looks a little bit better than someone just crying on their own. You can go there and go talk to that crying person. Chances are you have something for them. (laughs) You have a word to give them. Do you believe that you have a word to give them? So anyway, so he's so he goes open door. What's this? He's reading in Isaiah. What is who is they talking about? And like Philip's like Jesus is who they're talking about. So well, jump jump back in. And Philip opened his mouth and began um, at the same scripture preached him unto him Jesus. This is in Isaiah. He's talking about Jesus. There's a whole nother thing. I like Isaiah sounds like a cool guy. I want to see him one day. And then in verse uh, 36, it says, and they were on their way. They came to a certain water. So he's been talking to him about Jesus and telling him all about Jesus. And then the Enoch says, see, there, look, at there's water. What, what's stopping us from getting, me getting baptized? Wow. There's a progression with the gospel. When you share about Jesus... And sometimes I feel like we're sharing about the wrong thing. Like if we share about him, we share about him, we share about him. We're not following what God has done in your life. We're following Jesus. So I, so I'm, so that he's here is like, well, why don't we just get baptized? And so there he does and they get baptized and then Philip just gets translated because he has business to do. But it's a natural progression when you share about Jesus and you, sh- and, and you share about him. All of a sudden, it provokes people to want to do what it says, to do what it says in his word that Jesus went around preaching and baptizing. Hey, wait a second. 
I want to get baptized. Hey, wait a second. Jesus prayed for the sick and he said, we can. Oh, hey, I can do that too. Hmm. And all these things and it spurs on and it just is like it catches like wildfire. If it's not catching, what are you preaching? So let's go and we're going to go to Acts 19 here. Let's see. In Acts 19, I just, I went so many pages over, I got lost. (laughs) Okay. In Acts 19, we have another situation. Acts is full of it. Why don't you read Acts again and, and think about you in that. You can do everything that's in Acts. You can do it all. So maybe go and look and see what they did. Because they're not talking about revelation here. They're not talking about other things. They're talking about Jesus. That's all they are. They're, sh- they're spreading the gospel. They didn't know much. They didn't have much. They didn't have a Bible and all this stuff to share. They just had Jesus. And it worked. We have Jesus. Don't forget to share about him. So in 19 and verse 1, it says, And it came to pass... But while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. So he's just walking along, and he happens upon disciples. Maybe they didn't know him. Maybe they knew him. Maybe they didn't know him. It just happened. Hey, we're Christians. We're disciples. Oh, hey, how are you? What's going on? And so they're talking. And he said to them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Because this is a natural progression to receive the Holy Ghost. We get baptized. We receive the Holy Ghost because it's important because then we can share with others more effectively. And so they said unto him, well, we have not so much heard as whether there be any Holy Ghost. We haven't heard about this. They are in the right place at the right time, aren't they, with Paul? (laughs) And you know what? When someone is with you, they are in the right place at the right time. And know it, know it, that they are in the right place. You're in the right place, but what you have to deliver them is precious. It's valuable. You have the Holy Spirit helping you and showing you what they need. And most of all, you have Jesus. That's all you need to share. And he said unto them, unto what were you baptized? And they said unto John's baptism. I love it that these guys are just going around doing the thing doing what they've been taught, and they just go, and then they find, and they find Philip, I mean, Paul here, and then Paul, Paul said, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which come after him, that is on Jesus Christ, and when they heard this, natural progression, natural next, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, and when Paul had laid his hands on them, The Holy Ghost came upon them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. Oh, did you see that? It wasn't just Paul that was prophesying. They were just, oh, they just had the of the Holy Ghost, and then all of a sudden they're prophesying. Hallelujah. Natural progression that all of a sudden that when you are born again and then you get filled with the Holy Ghost, all of a sudden you can prophesy.
die. You can do everything that God did, uh, Jesus did on the earth. You can now do. Hallelujah. You're attractive. You have the Holy Ghost. You have Jesus. People are going to follow. Don't cram it down people's throats. Love them. Show them the way. Tell them the way. And then move to the next town. Move to the next supermarket. Move to the next family member. They come around if they heard and they think. They know how to get a hold of you. Huh. They know how to get a hold of you. And even if it's a stranger, God can get a hold of them. <laughs> Hallelujah. And the men, I find this funny, and the men were about 12. Going out and about. I think we're more than 12 here. We're more than 12 here. Let me look and see. Hallelujah. We have Jesus. We have the, the gospel at work in us and through us. We have the Holy Spirit. And then... In Mark 16 and 19, it says, So then after the Lord had spoken to them, this is Jesus, the last things he says when he's on earth. So after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat at the right hand of God. And they went forth and they preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Hallelujah. The word first then the signs. The word first, then the signs. Who is Jesus? He is the word. Then the signs after. Shalane, why don't you come on up? Are you filled with the Holy Ghost? Do you have the Holy Ghost on the inside with the evidence of speaking in tongues? You can come on up and you can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You can receive it. Hallelujah. Let's sing. I'm going to, well, actually, just play softly and I'll pray. The Holy Spirit is available. He's free. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to jump through any hoops. You just have to say, yes, I receive it. I receive you, Holy Spirit. Oh, I thank you, Lord. And it's just as easy as that. It's just as easy as that. You can receive the Holy Spirit. Oh, hallelujah. You at home, you at home watching. You're watching. Maybe you're watching this live. Maybe you're watching this later. It doesn't take much. You can receive the Holy Spirit where you are. You just lift your hands and you say, thank you, Lord. I receive you, Holy Spirit. Oh, that you were given unto me. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you're in the inside. Let's all stand up let's pray in other tongues hallelujah father i thank you lord oh hallelujah i thank you for the holy spirit i thank you that you've equipped us i thank you that you made us different that you set us apart that you made us a light that we're no longer in that darkness and that you reside on the inside of us and i thank you holy spirit oh that we can speak in other tongues that we can prophesy that we can have words of knowledge that we can have words not just in this church but we can have words when we go forth and go out 
preaching about you, preaching about you, and then seeing those works and seeing those signs that happen after that we preach you. I thank you, Lord, that you come and you're just there and you do good things in and through everyone here. I thank you, Lord, that our expectation is put on you and not what we can do, but what you can do in other people. Oh, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Father, that we're different. And I thank you, Lord, that we are strong and we're steady and we're not moved by criticism. We're not moved by combative people. But I thank you that we still stand strong. We still speak your word. We speak your truth. And I thank you that you defend, that you are the defender, that we don't have to defend ourselves or you, but you defend. Oh, I thank you, Lord, that your love is present here, that your love is present here. And we're going to go and we're going to talk to people differently. We're going to use wisdom. We're going to have the Holy Spirit's help. And we're going to know what to say. Oh, hallelujah. And if even if we think, oh, I just don't know what to say, just go and start talking about Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. People need Jesus. I thank you, Father, that this city is a city of salvation. I thank you, Lord, that as we go out and about, that salvation is present wherever we are. I thank you, Lord, that we're going into the city. We're invading those dark areas and bringing that light. And I thank you. It, oh, hallelujah. I thank you that that word of city of salvation is true for this city. The city of Surrey is the city of salvation. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you will do it. And I thank you that you'll do it through us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening today. We hope you have been strengthened and encouraged by the message you've heard. To hear more from our pastors or to learn more about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. You can contact us by phone at 604-594-7327 or you can write to us at Unit 2A, 13139 80th Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3W3B1.